It is Sunday, September 29, and we're at the International Bar and not Grill. No. <laughs> it no used grill to be there. Bar and Grill back yes. in the day where no it was the same marks. Um, yep. So this is the 32 episode of the Rock Show. Yep. I am Rob Rob Rossi, and your host here is Rocker Mike, ready to um, yeah. acknowledge you, give you a little uh, knowledge, so you guys can live your day, hang out, have a cold beer. You'll, you'll, once I give you this knowledge, you'll be better for it. You'll, you'll be better for it, much yeah. better for it. All right. Well, um, so what are we talking about today? Okay, well, like the man says, I'm Rocker Mike, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Plasmatics today, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Wendy Williams and the Plasmatics. She was a fucking animal. <laughs> she I, was out of I, her I mind. You, you know, I, I saw them a couple of times, and I don't think I was ever more scared of a woman in my life. <laughs> but what, before we even get into all that, we'll give a little background on her. She was born May 28, 1949, upstate in Webster, New York. Um, always interested in music. She studied the clarinet and at the University of Rochester Eastman School of Music. Uh, at the age of six, she was actually on the Howdy Doody show. <laughs> picture that. You're familiar, familiar, familiar with Wendy Williams? Howdy Doody. Yeah, I mean, picture her being on the fucking Howdy Doody show. I don't know. But she did like a tap dancing skit. Okay. I'd love to find a clip of that. That, that must be fantastic. You could probably find it. Somebody got it Somebody's up on YouTube it or somewhere. something. Probably all those Howdy Doody episodes have been released on DVD. I'm going to scour through it. Um, she was always rebellious uh, and at age 15 she was actually arrested for sunbathing naked <laughs> yes she liked to show her body yeah, she, she was an exhibitionist she liked to show her body uh, when she was 16 she hitchhiked to Colorado and she made money for a while crocheting bikinis okay now this was in the you know, mid, mid 60s pretty much uh, 65, 66 I would say um, now one thing that people a lot of people don't know about her is actually in 1966, she made a, a lifelong decision to become a vegetarian. She was like one of the original like vegan people. Uh, I used to see her. There's a, you know, the health food store on Third Avenue by like yeah. 16th Street. Yeah, so it's been there forever. Yeah, that's I used probably to, one of the longest uh, health. I think, I think it is one, one of the oldest ones. Yeah, uh, I used to see her going in there all the time when I was when I was younger. Um, she was arrested for shoplifting many times, numerous occasions. You know. 1976, uh, she had spent some time in Europe and came back and arrived at the Port Authority in New York City. What a shit show that was. That's what that shit was. And just this is just like something straight out of the deuce. Okay, she actually was looking down and found an ad of uh, Showbiz magazine uh, on the floor. Okay, and the page was open to a uh, something called Captain Kink's Theater. Okay, an ad for people. Now there was a guy named Rod Swenson that was her manager. He managed the Plasmags. He put the band together, but he was involved with all kinds of like. Porn and crazy ass like performance art and stuff like that, and uh, she actually shot a porno uh, called Candy Goes to Hollywood. In this film, she it's like a spoof of the Gong Show. Okay, yeah. so it's like different contestants going on doing things, and she actually shoots ping pongs out of her vagina. <laughs> what a way to start a career! Exactly. She did sex shows, uh, live sex shows in Times Square and stuff like that. Some of that stuff you can could, you could still find on video. Um, Rod Swenson wanted to put together this punk band. The good old days. And, exactly, the good old days. And 
he decided, you know, what was going on down CBGB's and stuff was, was the latest thing he wanted to be involved with. It. So he put a band together. It was originally going to be a, uh, a three-piece, and, you know, Wendy would be fronting it. And they had a guitarist, Wes Beach, who would be with the Plasmatics. They had some lineup changes over the years, but he would be with them continuously. Uh, they had a guy named um, Chasey Funahara excuse me, on bass, uh, Stu Deutsch on drums. Now, that was the original lineup. Yeah, they changed. It would change. Eventually, they would get Richie Stotts uh, on guitar because they realized they needed a second guitarist. He was the guy that wore the tutu. Yeah, he was great. He was fucking great. Yeah, yeah. And later on, he would front the band called Stotts that was really good. I used to go see them all the time. Uh, But uh, then they had Jean Beauvoir on bass, and he kind of looked like a Mohawk Fab Five Freddy. Yeah. You know? And. yeah, and anyway, they were an interracial band, really. Yeah. You know, they had different different people in the yeah. band. Um, quietly, consistently, they, you know, they were playing CBGBs and yeah. just gaining popularity like crazy. It got to a point where you couldn't even get into the club anymore if they were playing. The line would be like down the block. Um, they would look for other places to play. Now, Urban Plaza was a spot that was a, like a Polish national hall. And it wasn't really being used for shows all that much. Uh, but it was, a, it was a big venue, good location. So they were one of the first bands to really play that place, make it a rock location. Yeah. And uh, they kind of put that place on the map as far as that. So, so you, know, you, you know, a couple of years later, a lot of bands would be playing there. But they were like, yeah. Um, they actually, had, <coughs> excuse me, they actually headlined the Palladium, which was right down the block from us. Palladium was great. Um, November 16, 1979, they were the first band to headline the Palladium and have no record contract. I said so, you know, made some history cool. right there, yeah. Not uh, too many people can do that, you know, like no, the way they no, did it. I mean, it. Twi- Twisted Sister did it too, I believe. Um, yeah, but Twisted Sister, didn't they have, didn't they, uh, they have a video first? No, that Twisted, video Twisted Sister, Twisted Sister was around I for a good, ride. yeah, no, that was like their fourth album. Or so what, what was the one, what was the song? Um, why don't you turn that album down? That 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 song down. What was it like that? No, you think to turn up the radio or something? Yeah, that, that wasn't that. That was a band called Autograph. No, no, it was Twisted Sister. About the little kid in his room and the father. Yeah, I want to rock. I want to rock. That's we're, not gonna, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take yeah, it. That's yeah, what it was. That's classic. That was their biggest hit. The Animal House guy. Right, yeah, that guy's Madeline. Yeah. That was great. What is that? And he was also a Seinfeld. He was the, the maestro. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. He's been in a few things. All right, so... Yeah. So, they didn't have a record contract at that point, but they would uh, quickly get interested by uh, stiff records. Okay, they, they, they were courting them to play. And in March of 1980, they signed to Stiff. And Stiff wanted to get a, a hotshot producer for them. Take care, Mario. We wanted to get a, uh, they wanted to get a, a hotshot producer for them. Yeah. So they got Jimmy yeah. Miller, who had a, you know, good running track with the Stones. Yeah. Um, it didn't exactly work out for them. Uh, the album was called New Hope for the Wretched. It's a great album, but uh, he didn't finish the album producing it because there was some controversy with his drug abuse and getting along with the band and whatnot. So he, they kind of. I would say he about half produced that album, and then they probably just winged it the rest it of the mess. Yeah, it was a mess. He and was. It, he, he was a mess, and, and, and he was on the contract, and there ended up being like lawsuits for a while after that because of that first album. Um, songs on that album, Corruption, Living Dead, 
Butcher Baby, which is one of my personal favorites from them. Um, change? Yeah. You know, what they were doing it was, was, was totally original at that point. I mean, she right. would change. go on stage with a chainsaw yeah, and cut a guitar in half. Nobody had ever done anything like that on stage. Uh, eventually, they would get into things like blowing up cars on stage and all that stuff. We'll talk about that. It was more than just a rock show when you went to see the Plasmatics. It was like a performance art kind of thing, almost, with her. Uh, she was all about nonconformity. Uh, would never conform to whatever people were expecting from her. Uh, she changed her look a bunch of times. If, if you know, if the mohawk was getting too popular, she cut the mohawk off and grew her hair out. You know, she just wouldn't conform to really anything that was going on. Um, right after the album came out, they went to the UK. Um, and I don't, as I, I recall, they hardly did any shows because they were all being shut down because of safety concerns. They got some shows in, but most of the shows got canceled by the authorities in England. Just they wouldn't even let them play uh, because they would do things like you know bring a chainsaw out right on stage. I guess they you know had a problem with that. Appreciate it. Yep. Um, the Butcher Baby single, despite all that in England yeah. not being able to play, got to number fifty-five. So it made it made a little bit of a splash. Um, so let me ask, what yeah. do you consider them? A punk band or a rock band or a metal band? They were kind of a blend of punk and metal. Eventually, they would be more metal, and and but they would strip it down. The albums were different. Why do they have an association with Motherhead? Oh, okay. Well, Wendy O. Okay, yeah. she was going out with with Lemmy. Lemmy, uh, that's had a relationship was, yeah. with him. But not just that. They actually recorded um, "Stand By Your Man," the, the uh, Tammy, Tammy Wynette, but a rock song. version. Yeah, Motorhead. You know, it was a duet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, you could, if you remember from the Motorhead yeah. show we did, when that went down, Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead left the band. Yeah. He's like, this is fucking stupid. Uh, you know, they didn't like her. Yeah. They didn't want to be involved with such nonsense. You know, he didn't. He and, did. And he ended up leaving the band. Yeah. Um, but they had a, a, a relationship for a while. I remember seeing them in the magazines and I'd be like, damn, imagine this. You know, <laughs> That's a disaster. Lemmy, Lemmy and, and Wendy Williams. Um, imagine her after a bottle of fucking Jack. Yeah, I can't imagine. That, yeah, you'd have to run for your life. <laughs> She'd fuck the shit out of you, guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. So, like I said, the Butcher Baby, Baby single went to number 55, even though they couldn't play in England. Uh, late in 81, they kicked off a West Coast tour. Now... This is, uh, this is where we get into the blowing up of the, the Cadillac. You can see this on YouTube. Uh, Rob, you watched it last night. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I rewatched it. It was fantastic. Now, I got to interject a little personal shit here. I always liked this band from when I was like 12 years old, okay? And I hung out with a lot of people older than me, so they were going to see them. I couldn't get into the, sh into the places to see them. I would eventually see her a couple years later before they broke up. <laughs> but um, I said to myself, I'm 12 years old, I'm you know, going to school. I said, There's, they're going to play at Pier 62. I'm fucking okay. going. <laughs> I'm fucking going to this. I don't care if it's a school day. Okay, I'm fucking going to this. So I, I did the right thing first. I asked my mother. Right? I got the big fat no. Okay. No way was my mother going to let me go to this. Now, all I was hearing was they're going to do a short set and they're going to blow up a car. 
It was fantastic. Now, I mean, can you get any better than that? That was fantastic. So, what did I do? I went anyway. Yeah. Like any kid would, right? So, I remember coming into the city, and it was Pier 62 was like in the 20s on the west side. And uh, it's kind of near Chelsea Pier, a little bit, little bit up. Yeah, it's you know? up. Yeah. Because there's like a helicopter patch yes. there. That's why. Well, they, they, they actually came in on a helicopter. Yeah, but that's, that's where the helicopter... There's a helicopter landing there. Yes, you go there. They can land it. That's why. And they've been it. and they've been there for years. Like and I always a helicopter. I remember as a kid just watching a helicopter. I would, Up and down. And I remember they said, I'm looking out my window. I'm like, what the fuck? Is it riots? What the hell's going on? Yeah. My mother goes, You ain't going out today. Back, back in those days, back in back in those days. I mean, they would never allow something like this now the city. Never, never. Oh no. But back then it was even difficult. You had to get a whole bunch of permits. Now, they actually spent a good portion of their advance money for New Hope for the Wretched. Yeah. Okay, on this gig, just to get the permits. So, they were just doing it for the fans. And Wendy Williams said, oh, yeah, it was all worth it. You it know? was worth it. But, you know, fans remember that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to this day, that's one of the most infamous things in, in the music scene in New York. But, now, the permit actually was only for five to 6,000 people they were allowed and it turned out about 10 to 12 showed up. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Now, I remember being kind of like, I couldn't get up front, but I remember being there and trying to find a spot that I could see. And there, there's some places you can go up high, like near that Ohio yeah. railroad thing. Oh, there were people on top of that? Yes, yes. You know, I didn't go yeah, up funny, there. looking yeah. at that video, seeing the way people look back there. Yeah. People look, the mustaches, the mm-hmm. hurry. They look, they look the like fucking hands. aliens. Long long they just look yeah. like the punk rock I mean, we, and and people are sitting on the floor and sitting there like, it was like, what the fuck yeah. going on? It was great. So, uh, if you watch the video, you see them coming in on helicopters. That's great. Okay. And they just land right near the stage and Wendy Williams and the band runs out. Stotts is in a tutu. He's, in the, he's right? the first one out. Jean, he's like, Jean Bouvois got like yeah. this white uh, t- tuxedo, tuxedo yeah. and his hair's fucking mohawked. And, uh... Um, the, other, the other guy's name Two guys were, Two or three guys Were wearing tuxedo yeah. And then the guy With the tutu right. they, made, they used to do that they, You know They would wear like Fucking capes And stuff yeah. like that But They start, they kicked it off With the song Squirm That was great That was great. fucking great yeah, Make you squirm yeah. you know? And you know She's like shaking her tits And everything And running around And After like the third song She runs towards this big old Cadillac yeah right with the door was taken off yeah right and she drove it and jumps out and jumps out like two seconds before it's gonna crash into this thing and there's like a fireball it's the stage she yeah. goes up the stage yeah, yeah just blew it right up and I can remember seeing it as a kid just being like yeah. You know, just you know how nuts. much that must have cost for that. Uh, yeah the permit had to be thousands of dollars. We all blew up a fucking car <laughs> you know and then they they, they they played it up too like she was hurt you know, like they had the ambulance. The ambulance, that was great. Like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> you know what, that was like almost, she could have actually got hurt. Falling out, jumping out, you know. She was nuts. I mean, she would, she would, uh, they would smash TVs on stage with a sledgehammer. They were fucking, okay. they were fucking you know, saw cards and, and, and shit and, also. Right, right, like chainsaw, cut guitars in half. Yeah. Um, after that, their notoriety was like to the roof. I mean, they really should have been a lot bigger than they were, but I think people just didn't know what the hell to make of them. They made, they had some good TV appearances and stuff. Yeah. Um, they played the Whiskey a Go Go right after that gig on the on the uh, on the pier. What's up, man? 
And um, they went to the whiskey and they sold out two nights right away and it had to be expanded to four. They just were, you know, that popular. Now they also, while they were out there, they did an appearance on the show Fridays. Remember that show? Yeah, it was like Saturday Night Live. It was like a Saturday Night Live, but on Fridays. Yeah. You know? It was actually... Kramer. As, yeah, yeah, Kramer, right. Kramer, yep, yep. So... Uh, there's some, if you look up on YouTube on, for Fridays, there's a lot of good performances yeah. on there. Alice Cooper was on there in the early 80s. Uh, he does that song Clones, I remember. Uh, a bunch of other guys were on there too. Now, this was the tour where they were in Milwaukee and she got, she got beat up by the cops. They beat the shit out of her. Yeah, they arrested her when, they, when when the show ended. They arrested her for indecent exposure, yeah. obscenities, and stuff like that. Stupid stuff. Um, she would look. She she would never be naked though. That's the thing. Everybody was like, "Oh, she's indecent exposure." Well, no, she's got electric tape on her nipples, so she's not topless. Okay, but you know they didn't take it that way. Yeah. Now with that incident, uh, she ended up getting arrested, um, and and. They said that she was masturbating with a with a sledgehammer. Okay, that's, she got stitches. She got, she got all stitches, fucked up. She got punched in the face by the cops and everything. And that's where that's where they came up with the song "A Pig Is a Pig." Okay, which is all about that incident. Um, they were going to work on their their second album uh, that was going to be called "Beyond Valley of 1984," and that was the album with "Pig Is a Pig," "Master Plan." Um, they actually got Neil Smith from Alice Cooper's band to play drums on some of that album. Um, I think he's credited on it, I'm pretty sure. Um, they also did an appearance on Tom Snyder's show, The Tomorrow Show. Remember yep. that? Yep. That was a great show. Um, you also had tracks like uh, Down on Your Knees and Pledge Allegiance. That was, that was like the, that was the motto, actually. Not a track, that was the motto of the tour. Down on Your Knees and Pledge Allegiance. Um, Late 81, they were contacted by Dan Hartman. Uh, he was a big-time producer. He had yeah. produced bands like 38 Special. And, and stuff James like Brown. James Brown. So he had like a wide range of, of, of notoriety producing. And this was when the band took a little bit of more of a heavy metal turn. Uh, they made the, the... It was like a, a mini LP called yeah. Metal Priestess. Do you remember that album when she was wearing like horns on her yeah. head and stuff and everything? Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, take care. Now, you know, just to just to kind of bring it all into context, this was at a time when when you know Blondie was probably the biggest act out of New York with a female singer. All right, and there's such a contrast between Blondie and the Plasmatics. Oh, this okay. is two different uh, worlds. You know, yeah. I mean, but it's like Gap Boy and Orange. But you know, as far as women in music goes, both of them are, are very, very. Influential. I will hit both of them in the shitter. Yeah, in the shitter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not in the front, in the back. <laughs> well, speaking of Debbie Harry, uh, she we're, we're going to be uh, tomorrow over going to Town Hall. She just wrote a book called Face It. And me and Sandy are going there to pick up our copy. And face it. And face her. And, <laughs> and uh, there's some kind of video presentation or something. It's not just an autograph thing. So it should be cool. But, um, so, Wendy O. Williams and the band recorded Metal Priestess. Uh, at that point, guitarist Jean Bouvoir would leave the band, and he would be replaced by a guy named Chris Jr. Romanelli. 
You gonna say something, Rob? I was gonna say, um, this is also around the time that Stiff Record that were moving into Columbia Record, right? Cap- there was Capital. a Capital. Capital. There was like Records. a little problem with that, right? Yeah. Uh, Capital didn't know what to make of them. Yeah. Okay. You know, they had bought out Stiff. So they inherited everything. Yeah, everything. And, you know, some of the bands were successful, some were not. But they had no idea what to do. They had no idea what to do with Plasmatics. No idea how to promote them. Uh, It it definitely did become a problem. Um, Now, here's the thing. Have you ever seen Second City TV? Remember Second City Television with John Candy? Rick Moranis? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I thought that was the Canadian saying that live. Exactly, that's what it was. It was a Canadian Saturday Night Live. I He's, remember that. That was okay. great. Yeah. Now, look it up. There's a great episode where they're on with, uh, it was called uh, The Fishing Music- Musician. Yeah. Okay. And John Candy's like this fat, red-bearded Canadian dude living in a log cabin. And he has like a show. Okay. And he, and he has them on. But it's just so freaking funny because they go in the woods hunting and stuff, and they do this whole skit where they get chased by a gorilla. <laughs> and then they end up, they're in the, they're in the log cabin, and, uh, and John Candy's like, okay, you know, let's, let's play a song. They're like, okay. And he's sitting there, he's drinking a cup of coffee, he's like, ha ha, like laughing, they drink, as they're playing, smashing shit in the background. You know, check it out. Fishing, fishing musician. Now, in spring of uh, 1982, they would get ready to record another album. Uh, this this album was uh, called Coup d'État, and it was recorded in Cologne, Germany. Now, Wendy Wendy O. Williams was really stretching her the capacity of her vocals in those days. Uh, if you listen to that album, there's like some incredible screaming she does. She almost wrecked her voice with that. And, and during the, the the actual recording of the album, she would go for treatments, vocal treatments, all the time. Uh, daily, basically, just to keep her, her, her vocal cords strong because of the way she was singing. That album was produced by Dan Hartman, and uh, there were demos of that album that would surface years later uh, that many Plasmatics fans, including myself, would probably say that that's really the better version of the album. Um, the album was called Coup d'etat, and it's, she's, where, she's you know, got a big mohawk, and she's standing on top of a tank on the album cover. It's a great album cover. The band's all standing around her. Remember that one? Yeah. And uh, later on, the uh, those demos would be released as Coup de Gras, and that's really the one that you should get. Uh, it was at this point in 82 that uh, Capital would just give up on the band and drop them. So unfortunately, they were, they were uh, left out high and dry at that point. Um, in 82 also was when uh, Wendy Williams, Wendy Williams would do the duet with Lemmy from Motorhead, uh, Stand By Your Man, like we were just talking about. Uh, it came out as a single. On the flip side, you had Plasmatics doing the Motorhead song, No Class, which would always be in their set. Uh, they toured with Kiss that year. Um, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley were taking notice of what was going on with the Plasmatics and wanted to help them, um, saw the, the possibilities of working with them. So they took them on tour, and uh, Gene Simmons wanted to produce an album for them. And basically, they were in, they hadn't totally been dropped by Capitol, but there was a lot of legalities 
that had to be worked out. So they didn't use the Plasmatics name when, when they were going to record this album. They actually, it's, it's just considered wow, you know, W-O-W, yeah, Wendell yeah. Williams. Yeah. And it says the Plasmatics, like very small underneath. So they recorded this album. Now, <laughs> Gene Simmons plays bass on it, and his name on that is Reginald Van Helsing. <laughs> it's the name he used for the album. Uh, Ace Freely plays on it. Vinnie Vincent plays on it. It was pretty kiss. It, it was, was kiss. kiss. You want to know the truth? He wrote, Gene and Paul wrote a lot of that album, and yeah. I think it's the best shit that they did in the 80s. Yeah. After the original band broke up. Yeah. Okay? The stuff they did in the 80s was like, you know, one or two like decent songs, hardly, maybe three at the most. But this album, it had, had it been a kiss album, it would have been huge. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It had that song, It's My Life. Okay? Now, uh, there was a song called Bump and Grind. There was a song called I Love Sex. You know, and it just played into the whole Wendy O. Williams reputation and all that stuff. Uh, you know, you know, th- th- it's funny because everybody thought she was like a big whore. Yeah. I, I don't think that's really true. I yeah. Th- I, nah, I think it was a lot of just like image, you know, uh, yeah. but who knows? I, I, you know what was funny? Like, um... I saw No Doubt before they became this pop band. Yeah, they were like sort of a ska punk. And there was like a ska, yeah. and uh, I, I will never forget Gwen, Gwen Stefani. I will yeah. never forget. I saw them in this little place um, around the corner from, um, it was a concert. I forgot what's the name of it. But it was around the corner from the Limelight. It was a place that, um, I forgot the fucking name of the venue. But it was a small venue, and it probably, it probably fit like 300 people, and No Doubt play sold out. Yeah. And Gwen Stefani jumped on the steam pipe. Yeah. And hanging there, singing a song, and fucking people, they were like, Nuts. they were like fucking, they, it, they, it, it kind of first... reminded me of watching them play, it kind of reminded me of her, because she was just new, yeah. and she was a fucking fiend. Well, She's like, yeah, motherfucker. I mean, that, that, and then yes. she turned into this, like, pop princess. I, I, it was I know, horrible. I know, total, total sellout, you know, but, yeah, but, I mean, well, that's true, and that's the point I'm trying to make is, is that, is that Wendy Williams was just as influential as Patti Smith or, or, or Debbie Harry as far as, you know, women in music go. I mean, she took it to a, to- a whole different level, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally physical, you know, crazy. Um, on the success of uh, the, the WOW album, uh, they recorded Commander of Chaos. And that album was a much heavier, faster album than the, than the prior one. prior one was kind of like a mid-tempo type of groove album. And uh, this one was a lot heavier, a lot faster. Um, they were kind of spinning their wheels at this point. And in 87, they didn't record anything for a couple of years. But then in 87, the Plasmatics were back as the Plasmatics. Uh, they were signed to a new label, and uh, they made a concept album called Maggots. Do you remember this album, Rob? Yeah, that was a very good okay. album. Maggots is like this, the concept was this like post-apocalyptic world, and a family called the White Family, that you, you see what happens to them during the whole time on the album. And uh, it, it, it got rave reviews. I remember when it came out, I was like, all right, cool, you know, I'll pick it up. And I remember listening to it, and it's pretty fucking disturbing. Like, the, the shit that she's singing, you know, like, just talking about maggots eating people's brains while they're alive, you know, stuff like that. And uh, Kerrang! magazine called it a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I always thought it was more, it was like the Walking Dead of albums. Mm-hmm. 
Because it's like an apocalypse. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like a- definitely. Um, on the on the the heels of that album, the band broke up. Yeah. And I never, you know, never quite understood why. They were they were definitely you know at a high point. The, the Maggots like, album was doing well. Who else did that? What was the band that we the band the band did that didn't they? The, um, we did that group that they also like the guy came one day and was like oh, oh the jam the jam the jam did that That's same true. thing that's true that's the true out of the blue went, like the, they did like the yeah, jam they're I, like I, you know what we're I, done I think there was probably some infighting going on though that. Uh, I don't know if that's ever really been revealed. I didn't have any connection with them to know, and it's never really been discussed. But they just, you know, broke up, and that was the end of it. Richie Stotts started Stotts, yeah. you know. Jean Beauvoir had left the band prior to the Maggots album, and he actually uh, produced the Ramones album, Animal Boy. That was that in was 1986. That's a good album. Yeah. Uh, you don't see nothing much of him anymore. I don't know what happened to I don't see Richie Stotts anymore either. You know what's funny? That album was recorded in in 87, Mm -hmm. but it was 25 years in the future. Yeah. So it was like 2012 or 2002. We got different kind of maggots then. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. A lot of maggots. Um, Now I got to talk about around that time. Uh, 1988 going into 89, uh, it was New Year's Eve, 88 into 89. And uh, just as a side note, this was the last time that the subways were ever free on New Year's Eve. The subways used to be free yeah. almost every year. And uh, I remember this was the last year. Koch was still mayor. And Irving Plaza was supposed to close. And the Ramones had a gig at Irving Plaza that night. And it was called the Eve of Destruction. And Richie Stotts opened up for them. And I was right in front of the stage, in front of Stotts. He used to kind of be on the right. And uh, Wendy O. Williams all of a sudden comes out. Okay. Yep, that's her, baby. <laughs> you were showing a picture of her. There she is. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. She also, you ever see the video for that whole Maggot album? Yeah. It's crazy. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it's a totally insane I, thing. That's it. Yeah. You know what? I had, like, I remember seeing that. It was on TV, but they showed up. It was like a little weird. They would show after midnight. Yeah, I think. Or after I don't 10. I think it was MTV. It was like. They would show it some, they would show it something, but they would show it very late at night because yeah. it was something that. It was, yeah. you know, it was almost like. They, we were, were, they were way out there. They were so controversial. Nobody wanted to touch yeah. them. You know? <laughs> I, still, like, they, I mean, they, they weren't multi platinum, nothing like that. I just but remember they, so they cool getting out. the power that yeah. TV gave it. This is fucking sick. Anybody, you got to look up the video. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking fantastic. YouTube's got it. So I'm at Irving Plaza, okay? And um, I'm at Irving Plaza, and Stotts is on. And Wendy Williams comes out and the place goes fucking nuts. Wow. Now, you got to remember, Irving Plaza was about to close. Yeah. So, basically, what we were doing was destroying the place. Yeah. We just were throwing chairs at the walls. We were breaking shit in the bathroom. I think Irving Plaza just closed again. No. Not that I heard. Yeah, maybe, I think. Did it? Yeah. Mike, did Urban Plaza close again for renovation? They got bought maybe, by maybe somebody? Maybe it's something like that, but it's not. This was supposed to be closed for good. Yeah, because they're booking okay. a lot of nations. Yeah, no, they, right. they make a lot of money with that. Yep. No, but I think that's where they're going to fix it up a little. Go do because I, I think they had like the last show. The Webster, they're going to do about the same thing as Webster Hall. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, you know, we were wrecking the place. We were throwing chairs around. We were breaking the walls. We were up in the balcony area breaking shit on the second floor. 
and they didn't give a fuck who they served that night. Okay, I, I mean, I knew a girl that was like 15. Yeah, they were just fucking. drinking. It, it was insane. And uh, then the Ramones came on, they did a kick-ass show as usual, and uh, the place never closed. <laughs> they just <laughs> but, but kept we, it we, open and they did it. their thing. We wrecked it. So, uh, after, after the band broke up, um, Wendy Williams would kind of fall on some hard times. I think she really couldn't adjust to it. Uh, in uh, 1993, unfortunately, she would attempt suicide. Uh, it was, uh, she tried to stab herself uh, in the chest, and she did survive. Uh, I think the, the, the knife actually got lodged in her sternum, and she did survive that. Um, but in 1998, uh, she was living in Connecticut. She had gotten very involved with like animal rights and stuff like that. And uh, she just couldn't cope, and she left a suicide note and went into the woods with a shotgun and killed herself, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, 1998. It's because life changed. I think she was think so she used to the cope. spotlight. Yeah, I think she not couldn't be in the cope. spotlight no more. Yeah. She's like, fuck it, I can't she do used this to, no more. She used to suffer from depression, I heard, so there was definitely something wrong there. All right, so... Okay, so that's all we got today about the plasmatics. Um, I'd like to talk also about the uh, Super Sucker show. Uh, me and George Figueroa last Sunday night. Now, we talked about this last week because we saw them on Saturday. But Sunday night at El Cortez, that was a kick-ass show. It was better than the night before. Um, definitely, what I like about El Cortez and, and, and Bushwick is they have a very good sound system. And it's not a big place, it's a small place, but the, the sound system in there was really good. It was better than where we saw them the night before at Amity Hall. Um, got some upcoming shit to talk about, okay? Uh, oh, before I do that, The Undead Show. Uh, Bobby Steele and, and Diana Steele of The Undead played Thursday night at Bowery Electric. That was great. Uh, ended up, um, they made a nice little tribute to the late Rick Rivets. It was, it was his birthday this past Monday. He would have been 70. Uh, they did a cover of Personality Crisis by the New York Dolls, which is the band that he founded. Uh, they did a nice little tribute to him. That was cool. Um, then yours truly went on stage and, and sang Ratfink. Uh, come see me. I'll show you that video. Um, Ratfink is a Misfits song. Now, speaking of the Misfits, uh, October 19th, they will be playing The Garden, and that's with The Damned and Rancid. Uh, is that show sold out, Rob? I have no idea. I, gotta, but I think we got the tickets from Bud to go. We got them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. We're going to be on Chase Bridge? Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Uh, September 30th, which is tomorrow, uh, I mentioned this earlier, um, Debbie Harry from Blondie is going to be at Town Hall promoting her new book, and me and my wife are going there to check that out. Um, also on October 31st, the Dickies will be playing at the Bowery Electric as well. They're playing with the Carvels, another great New York band. Uh, you're going to ask me what the album of the week is? What is the album of the week? My favorite album by the Plasmatics is Beyond the Valley of 1984. That was a great fucking that's album. Got, that's got the song of the week on it, which is Master Plan. Yep, Master that's a great Plan. song too. Yep, yep. So, that's all I got right now for you, sir. So, where can we find you, Michael, if they okay. want to reach out? Uh, you can look for me under my name, Michael Baker. That's on Facebook. Uh, look for me on Instagram, RockerMike212. And look for me on Twitter, Rocker Mike 3 How about you, Rob? Where are you at besides a bar? Um, 
you can find me anywhere in social media. I'm on YouTube. I'm on uh, Instagram. Um, what the fuck? Uh, getting Facebook. Getting lumped up. Twitter. Getting lumped up. We also got the web page. Is, and, that, is um, that working now, that webpage? Yeah, they're yeah, working. It's been working good? Okay. Yeah, they're I haven't, looked, I haven't well. looked at it in a couple of weeks. We get, like about, we get about a good amount of uh, hits a week on the page, because I got a thing that tells me how many hits I get on the page. So we get yeah. about probably like 60, 70 people looking at their webpage cool. and, um, and uh, register. I just got to do uh, one or two more things to um, Twitter. You know? Okay, cool, cool. So next week is the beginning. We're starting our October special shows for the for the Halloween month. We're going to do a show on Screaming Jay Hawkins and Screaming, and Screaming Lord Such. So, uh, what, what do we always say at the end of everyone? Don't get drunk, get, get lumped, lumped up. up. See you next week, you bastards. <laughs>